Welcome to The Being Leader. I'm Annabelle Graham. So welcome to my first interview of series two. Today, I'm joined by Nicola Maxwell from Edomidas, who will be talking to me today about how we work in a complex world versus a complicated world and just exactly what that means. So Nicola is a coach, trainer and facilitator who specialises in leadership and management development and works closely with businesses, mainly in the professional services sector, to design bespoke people development solutions. So Nicola, welcome. Hello, Annabelle. Delighted to be here. Fantastic. So look, I really like to start these with um, the guests just explaining a little bit about what they do. There's no point me doing a huge, great big intro. You can sit and talk about yourself quite happily. So it'd be really good to, for those people who have um, joined us listening today to find out a little bit about you and how you got into doing what you do. <laughs> yeah, a bit by accident, I think, actually. I, think I, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I think we, we probably all are guilty of that. I mean, uh, initially, I, I actually worked in the world of financial services. Um, so my this is this is fresh out of university coming into my first role um, and qualifying as a financial advisor. So I did a whole host of professional exams and, and my role was all about giving advice to private clients um, whether that was about their investment portfolio, portfolios, their retirement planning, their inheritance tax. Uh, and I did that for about eight years. Um, but I, I never really enjoyed the role that much. Uh, it was very target driven. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a particularly competitive person. So that doesn't really float my boat. What I was much more interested in was putting people in a stronger financial position. Yeah. And you know, before they, they'd come along to speak to me. And, and unfortunately, uh, for for the company that I was working for, sometimes that didn't mean uh, selling them another product. Actually, taking something off them. It isn't always relevant because it's yeah. not what they want. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I find, find myself actually sometimes going along to clients and, and not selling them anything in particular, uh, which when you've got targets is, is probably not uh, a great thing from the company's point of view. But of course, from the client's point of view, it was absolutely the right thing to do. Um, so I, I realized that that probably wasn't my true calling. Um, and, and I got an opportunity almost by chance, really, to, to join the learning and development team in the company that I was working for. So it was a real segue in terms of a different change of direction for me. And it was also a bit of a light bulb moment. I mean, I actually genuinely I remember sitting down talking to someone about what I really enjoyed and just that light going on in my head that said, that's what that's what you want to do. And I had no experience in learning and development whatsoever. Um, so someone took a chance on me. I'm, and I'm forever grateful uh, to that manager that took a chance on me because because she was instrumental in in creating my career and, and where I am today. Excellent. So so tell me a little bit about what Eden might just do and, and what your work is now. Yeah, so so we work with uh, leaders, individuals in, in businesses. And, and fundamentally, what, what we want to do is shift people's mindsets. So we're helping them develop new skills, but skills that make a genuine, tangible difference to, to them as individuals and, and to the teams and, and the organizations that they, they lead. So that's my real passion. You know, personally, I, I love um, behavioral change. I'm, I'm absolutely intrigued by it because it's hard isn't it? I mean, behavioral change is not easy for any of us to do because it's about unlearning all those old habits uh, that we've had for sometimes a long, long time and discarding a lot of old beliefs. Actually, that many of much of which might have served us very well in the past. Mm. And, and that's what's hard about it, you know, is actually helping individuals, leaders, recognize that 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 isn't so helpful for now and and indeed the the future so I really enjoy just helping them look in the mirror um, and decide what what are the new habits the new beliefs that I need to learn that are going to serve me better in in my current role and and for the future as well I think some of those challenges it's not only you know if we think about our role as leaders it's not just us changing our mindset and thinking about what's unhelpful for us it's then recognizing when we're trying to do something, when we're trying to put in um, to work with our teams or work with those people in our department, that actually you've got a whole load of mindsets you need to shift. 
<laughs> yeah. And, that, and that's why I think if you can get leaders to work on themselves first, they recognize the, the pain you know, that can all, often be involved in, in changing a lot of those behaviors and developing those new skills. And, and what initially seems like a straightforward thing, you know, so just something like what's that kind of probably the most common issue that a lot of managers have when they first come into the role is, is delegate. You know, let let go, you know, just delegate to other people. Um, and it's not just a case of, well, you know, here's how you delegate. It's, it's a mindset that allows us to delegate first off and, and to do that well. Uh, and, and that's what I'm fascinated by is, you know, how do we help people do that in a way that they feel supported and able to change ultimately? Brilliant. So we are talking today about a topic which... I think has definitely become more to the forefront over the last 18 months with the pandemic mm. and all the challenges that we've had. And I know I've seen this become a, a real challenge with the leaders I'm working with, and I'm suspecting you might see the same. And that's about, you know, how we work with a co- work in a complex world, you know, because things aren't straightforward anymore. Oh, gosh, no. Definitely not. I mean, we've we've probably all heard of the, the term VUCA. Yeah, volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous. You know, that, that term's been around for quite a while. Um, I think it dates back to about the early 90s when it was first used. It was it was used to describe the um the landscape that America was facing, was it from, from more a kind of uh, warfare perspective after the, the Cold War. Um, and I think it's fair to say that, yes, you know, over the last 18 months, our world has definitely become more, more VUCA because um, nothing really stays the same for very long. If you look at the pace of change now, everything is just dramatically picking up pace. If you rewind 20 years, I, I run, run a session which is all about strategic thinking. And one of the things we talk about is, is how fast things have changed. And, and, and we, we were looking at this uh, as, as a group and thinking about, so, so what wasn't around, you know, 20 years ago? Well, the iPhone wasn't around 20 years ago. I mean, that, it's, it's incredible when you think about it like that. And you know, the likes of Facebook, a lot of the social media um, platforms just, just weren't there. No, we didn't so, have Wi-Fi. I carried yeah. a, the biggest laptop you've ever seen in your entire life around. I used to go into into retail stores, which is why because I obviously worked in retail, and sit and pray to God I could get the um, the phone line to download for me, and yeah. I might be able to get a get an email. Yeah. I was really lucky, but I usually had to park it in the corner and go away and do a three hour store visit before I actually had them, and then I had a bit of work to do on the tube in between. Those old dial up connections. I know. And, and, and on a really bad day, nothing would download because it just wouldn't work. Or you'd watch yeah. it go through in bytes, not just megabytes or kilobytes, in bytes yeah. per minute. Painfully slow. Yeah. So we have, we've come massively far. Oh, yeah. And actually, mm-hmm. and I think, and I don't know whether you're seeing this, I'm, if I think about, especially over the last 18 months, I think with people being so used to being on teams and so used to being able to get people instantaneously, the demand for having answers or feedback now yes, is even faster than it was two years ago. Yeah, definitely. So we, we've got used to, you know, the, this pace in terms of response yeah. from people as well, which is, I mean, we're, you know, that's having a really adverse effect on us as human beings. I mean, maybe that's something we can talk about later, you know, it's, it's just the impact of this on people's well-being. Um, because, because this is a, you know, it's a really difficult um, area to to contend with for many people, and, and that's some you know some of the issues that I'm certainly seeing with leaders who you know just often feel caught out by by what's going on. Um, you know, if, if you think about you know as, as we're recording this, um, we've got you know, one of the the big the world's biggest climate conferences going on in Glasgow. We, we've got COP twenty six happening at the moment, and you know, the climate change is, is a, a, a wonderful example. It's, it's a huge example of a, a problem that is not easy to solve. Uh, and, and that's why often when we're dealing in, in this kind of world, it, we can feel like we're in over our heads. I, I mean, that's really what it, what it feels like for, for many of us. So, so this new reality is, it, this is not an easy one to navigate. No, for any and of I us. think 
if you use COP26 as an example, the bigger challenge that you've got around the climate change argument is there's actually so many different views and there's so many differing bits of data. So what you have is, you know, you've got the people who sit on one side who are fantastically pulling out, you know, who pull out all of the evidence to show that we've got climate change happening, but are, you've equally got as vehement an argument sat on the other side to go, it's all garbage. Yeah. And it's, uh, and it becomes such a divergent conversation that trying to navigate it, I would say even as an expert becomes a challenge because you've got to go, yeah. so who am I supposed to be believing? Where does that sit? Yeah. Which makes it truly, truly complex because your data's not concrete. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and this is one of the key skills of being able to navigate this more complex world is to, to, to hold, you know, two seemingly opposite views in, in your hands or in your heads and, and, to, and to think about, you know, what does that mean? Where, where is the, the truth within both of those arguments? And, and what, what is it that we can do to start to progress things forward and, and stop searching for the right answer, the one right answer? Because, as you say, you know, from that diversity comes more diversity of solutions as well. And that, and and for those of us, you know, as, as human beings, we like concrete. We like, oh safety. yeah, we yeah. like black and white. It makes our lives easier because it's yeah. it's either this or it's that. Well, we're we're actually hardwired to 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 really operate in that way. In in all honesty, I mean, we we actually really prefer the predictability um and and we like we like those more kind of linear problems you know the ones that we can see the cause and effect really clearly because then the answers are are, are much easier to come yeah. by aren't they um but we are you know our brains are constantly trying to look for for the answer mm. in all of this and and we do unfortunately rely on shortcuts yeah, yeah. Uh, quite a great deal. So you, you, know, you might be familiar with um, something like confirmation bias, for instance. Yeah, it's just one of the ways in which we tend to focus on the, that data that already confirms our point of view. And, and we, we discount any information which doesn't support it. And, and so we get these kind of shortcuts coming through that, that just force us really to, to keep going down that road. Absolutely. So we were talking about, you know, this whole piece around working in complexity, but actually that there can be some confusion between whether something's complicated or complex. Yes. So, yeah. so explain to me how you see the difference between those two terms. Yeah. So th this is a really fundamental point when it comes to thinking about how you're going to lead through complexity, because most of us will use those terms interchangeably. Yeah, something is complex or something is complicated. Really, we don't, we don't really mean that there's a great deal of difference there. But when it comes to leadership, there is a key difference between the two of them. Uh, and, and there's actually a, a model that's being created that, that demonstrates this beautifully. Uh, it's not one I can take credit for myself. It, it was created by a chap called David Snowden. Uh, and it's his Kinefin model and that's Welsh for habitat so it, it almost explains the world in which we we habit and inhabit should I say and, it, and it's just a lovely framework that helps us see the difference between complicated and complex problems and in the the Kinefin framework on on one side uh, you have the predictable world and on the opposite side you have the unpredictable world and of course complicated problems sit more in the predictable world so in other words with a complicated problem there's more than one solution potentially yeah but if we do the research you know if we if we can tap into the right expertise then it's very likely that we can identify the best action to take and actually we spend a lot of our time in the complicated world you know that that's quite a um, a, a strong domain for, for many of us. So to give you an example of what would sit in that, it would be something like you know, designing a, a new piece of technology, um, building a house. You know, they're both examples of what are complicated problems. So there's a lot to think about. There's a lot to sort out. It's not going to be easy to do, but get the right expertise in the room and the chances are good that we'll work it out. And, uh, and our vision will become a reality. So we'll be able to create, create that new piece of technology. We'll be able to, to build the house. So with complicated problems, 
we really need to see the issue, analyze it, and then decide on the best course of action. With complex problems, so they don't sit on the predictable side of, uh, of Snowden's Kinefin framework. They actually sit on the unpredictable side. And, uh, and this, is, this is where we, we tend to, to get the two mixed up. But a lot of challenges now that leaders are facing are falling into this category of the, uh, of the complex. So things now are, are, are not repeatable. Uh, we can't just apply the same formula time after time. Uh, there isn't this kind of linear cause and effect relationship that we can more clearly see when it's a complicated problem. And sometimes with a complex issue, it's only after the event that we can see all of those factors that combined to create a particular result. So this is why often these kind of problems, you might have heard the phrase wicked problems, and, and that's what sits in the complex domain. Yeah. So it's so an example of this, just to, to kind of bring it into um, reality for people. If you think about your two companies coming together, so perhaps there's been an acquisition on one side, you've got all the logistical aspects to sort out between that. You know, you've, you've got two sets of systems, products, processes that you've got to bring together. But there's also bringing together of culture. Uh, and that's you know, notoriously difficult for for leaders to do um and and i think that you know there's a, there's a lovely quote um john cotter uh in his book leading change where where he is quoted as saying that 70 percent of change efforts fail and and i suspect it's because leaders are treating those change efforts as complicated problems when they are in fact complex so we, we've got to do something different here in that space. It's, it's not the same as what's happening in the complicated world. So here, we've got to do a bit more of scanning the system, mm -hmm. the understanding what's going on in that broader context. We've got to be prepared to experiment. And we've also got to be open to learning. Mm. Okay. So let's hold those thoughts because there was, there was two or three things that sort of came up as you were talking through that that I was thinking about. Um, one before I forget, for those who go, oh, wicked problems love a wicked problem. Tom Wujek, um, TED Talk called How to Make Toast, has an entire website called makingtoast.com, which is around how to solve what your wicked problems. And it looks at systems thinking. Yeah. So, yeah. so for those who want to go and dig into it, go, go Google wicked problems, Tom, Tom Wujek. It, it's great fun. Um, and a really useful thing, actually, to look at complexity. Yeah. Um, but I think from what you said, it's about this ability to lift and drop that actually when we've got a complicated problem, we can go, okay, so this is the set of parameters that we can work with. Um, we've seen these parameters before. This is the experience I had in a different place, different world with what these are, and we move it. So far, so sensible. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I know when I sit in um, meetings with, with leaders um, or in away days or um, team sessions, or when I'm having conversations with different clients, what I'm seeing is people going, oh, well, we came across this, so I'm just going to lift and drop that because I haven't got enough time to think about something else. Yes. But it goes back to the shortcutting that you were mentioning earlier, that because we shortcut, we miss out all of the stuff that was important about why we did that solution in the first place. And now what we've done is we've basically taken the round peg and tried to fit it into a hexagonal hole because the <laughs> yeah. set of parameters are completely different. But in our shortcut mind, we've thought about the three that were the same and said, well, it's going to work. Yes. Which means we then get to our change effort and wonder why it hasn't worked. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's one bit that threw up. But I also wonder from the change pieces whether actually people just get a bit bored with it. I don't know about you for when you've put change initiatives in. Mm -hmm. Take a bloody long time. Yeah, yeah, they can. You know, yeah. in, in very, unless it's straightforward, if it's a complex piece, you know, you're talking two to three years. But we get sick of our own voice after about six months and we wonder why the hell people haven't got it yet. It's because we've not given them long enough. And if you think about what's going on around people over that time, you know, over two years, three years, well, as we already spoke about, I mean, pay, the pace of change is increasing. You know, there's a lot that's already shifted and moved on. So that, that one plan that we created might be completely irrelevant 
because yeah. because our context has completely changed. So so there has to be this openness mm. to switching course, you know, as as we encounter obstacles, mm. challenges, and and just that ability to be able to say we're on the wrong track here. We need to do something different rather than remaining beholden to the original course of action, the original plan. But that then brings in a whole challenge from an individual perspective to say, oh, I'm going to say I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And that, there's a vulnerability in that. Yeah. And yeah, that becomes a lot of vulnerability. So, mm-hmm. so how are you seeing, if you think about how leaders are approaching this, mm-hmm. what challenges are you seeing presenting in the businesses you're working with? What type of problems are coming up? how leaders are dealing with them yeah there's so there's a lot actually I mean I'll pick out a few of the the most common ones I, I think I think there's still um this sense that leaders be, either believe that they have all the answers or they believe that they should have all the answers you know I, th- I, I still come across leaders who who are quite attached to that belief you know that well, me as a leader, that's what people expect of me. They expect me to have all the answers, so therefore I should have. And it's kind of a bit of that sort of top-down leadership that we're seeing, which actually is, is quite an outdated notion mm. now, and particularly when you're dealing with complexity. Mm. We, we cannot rely on, on top-down leadership. You know, it's one of the, the key obstacles to us mm. actually in, enabling change and, and enabling people around us to to start doing some thinking themselves on that before we dig into the others I've got a question to see because I see that as well do you see a difference where people are in roles or are leading in either industries or functions which are linked to their technical expertise that they previously had mm. so i.e if I used to be an accountant and I'm now an FD or if I used to work in engineering and now I'm the head of, but actually my identity has been built on me being the expert, me yeah. being that subject matter expert in what I know. Yeah. And I think it's more pronounced in those situations, isn't it? You know, th- this belief that I, I, of course, because they are, they are an expert of sorts, you know, that that's not, we're, yeah. we're not taking that away from them. I think it's just accepting that part of their identity now is being a leader. And, and with that, does it's not just about bringing expertise. There's, there's an awful lot more, as, as we know, that to, to leadership than, than that. So I think the, the whole top-down leadership aspect really, really gets in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, what, other, what other challenges? I think some, some, people, some leaders that I speak to, there's just a real sense of overwhelm. <sighs> you know, that, that feeling fun. of... I don't, I can't find the answer to this. You know, if we go back to that concept of the wicked problem, you know, if you're, if you're on a search for where's the answer, what's the right thing to do here? And, and you're kind of waiting for that, you know, kind of golden nugget solution to come forth. Um, you're going to be disappointed because it doesn't quite work like that when we're in the complex world. So sometimes what we see is, is leaders burying their heads in the sand yeah, so that there can be a bit of that. Um, so they might be in, in denial that there, there is a problem. <laughs> that could be where the denial is. Um, and that could just be the overwhelm on its own of just going, I actually just don't know where to start. Therefore, we procrastinate and we yes. don't do anything because actually we genuinely have no clue how to go about it. That's right. Yeah, we can't see the, the way forward. You know what? Or even just what direction should I go? You know, where, where do I start with any of this? So, so there is something about the, the denial, um, but there could also be denial around that it's something that they can fix. So you know, they're, not, they're not convinced that actually this is something that, that they can do something about, that, that maybe it's someone else's problem to fix. Um, and, and I think, you know, that, I think that's really a real struggle for, for many leaders. Um, and I think perhaps, you know, what we've seen in the last 18 months, I mean, some, 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 we've seen some excellent leadership in terms of su- supporting people's well-being, mental health. Um, and I think there's still some way to go in that respect that, you know, I, I think that the leaders that have really done well with that have accepted that this is, this is a challenge that 
I can be a part of in terms of helping to find solutions, as opposed to saying, this is for the individual to work out on themselves. This is for the individual to grow their resilience, for example, um, or to focus more on their well-being. So when you're thinking about those issues, so you said, obviously, we've got overwhelm, we've got people feeling they should have the answers. What else? Is, is there anything else that's manifesting? Yeah, I think, I think um, so, something else I notice, um, and I, I'd be interested to get, get your take on this as to whether this is something that comes up for, for you as well. I, I notice a lot of kind of um, the pendulum swinging. So where, where leaders will see that something isn't working and then they'll go to the other extreme. So a really great example of this is where a new leader joins a business. Mm-hmm. and sees that something isn't quite set up in the, in the way that they want it to be. So let's say the, the, the company operates quite a centralized um, model or structure. Mm-hmm. And the new leader comes in and says, we need to de- decentralize. Yeah, let's move away from this centralized. Let's, let's decentralize. And, and so the pendulum swings you know, from this, what is really an extreme of uh, centralization to another extreme, which is decentralization. And, and then a few years pass perhaps a new leader comes in to that business and looks at it and thinks, no, this isn't working. Decentralization isn't working for us. Now we need to go back and centralize everything. And and we just get these really kind of extreme views. So almost leaders unable to see the third way, you know, Mm -hmm. because that's really in the complex world, that's really what we're helping them try to see is that it's not just about these extremes of either or. You know, there's something about holding those two together. And, and that's where, you know, we get into talking about those polarities that exist, you know, those two um, seemingly separate factors that can actually coexist in, uh, interdependently. Yeah. And as you were saying that, I was, I was smiling and rolling my eyes slightly because I think anyone who's ever been in the business for very long sits there and goes, yeah, we've heard that argument before. Yeah. And actually, well, both centralized and decentralized have benefits and massive problems. That's right. Yeah. And, and it was, I mean, it was, just, I said at the beginning that, you know, I, I worked in uh, financial services for quite a long time. And, and it was fascinating to see that, that happen in, in a very cyclical way. You know, over a period of, of perhaps a few years, how the pendulum would just swing from one side to the other. So if I, if I, if I pull that out and think about that from the real systemic lens, I think... Mm. I think there's some mis- I think there's some things that go on there. So one is we go with what we know. So invariably the new manager brings what they've worked with beforehand and seen, oh, this was great. So there's that yeah. going, going, as you said, going back for confirmation bias and actually going, oh, I've used this before. Let's let's lift and drop because it's going to make life yes. better. Yeah. But I think if we think about an organization as systems and, and how they work and operate, that most organizations have a systemic framework which is the way in which is the sweet spot for how they work and operate. So whether that's a family business that's grown up, whether that is a very bureaucratic um, culture and and structure that they've always had. So, Mm. and when we veer away from that, unless we do that change really, really well, which we were talking about beforehand and Mm -hmm. sticking with it and unpick all of the learned behaviors and unpick all of the inherent um, ways of working, mm-hmm. which are no longer now fit for purpose in that new way that we're trying to put in place. Yeah. Actually, the system doesn't change because the system doesn't want to change. And what you have is this underlying systemic need of going, well, I've always been decentralized. I want to stay decentralized. And actually, people subvert it. They don't even know they're doing it. Mm. But people mm. subvert it. And the behavior doesn't shift. And what you find is actually the inherent organizational behavior sort of has a bit of a life of its own. And it will take its way back to what it wants to be. Yeah. Because we've not done well enough at putting the change in place. We've yeah. not dealt with all of the complexity. That's right. And, and looked at it, you know, beyond almost, I think a key part of dealing with complexity is looking beyond the obvious. And that, that's where we need to get to, you know, is this point where, where we can really get under the skin of what is it that's contributing to how we work right now? 
And, and that's where you get a sense of, okay, so here, this is where we need to focus our efforts. And, and those will be in multiple places. So that's not just one place. You know, it's not, aha, we've kind of found the, the thing we need to focus on or work on. There are multiple things that we will need to give our attention to when we're dealing with complex problems. Mm. So if, if, if the listener here now is sort of sat there as a leader going, yeah, I, yeah, I get this. I've got the complexity. Welcome to my world. Mm. How do we go about approaching complicated problems? And how is that different to how we need to approach complex problems? What mm. are those things we need to be doing? Because yeah, and there, there is a we've, fundamental We've probably got difference. a whole lot of skills, but they might not be fit for purpose. Yes, absolutely. And one of the things we tend to do is, first of all, just, just get the two mixed up. So, so I, th- I think a really useful starting point is to be clear about what do we mean when we talk about a complicated problem or, or a complex issue, which is kind of where we, we started you know, this, this whole recording, Annabelle. Um, and, and it's true that, you know, when you're dealing with complex problems, they, they require a different approach. You know, this is a whole different set of skills. It's, in all honesty, a completely different mindset that we need when, when we're operating this kind of territory. So, so in the complicated world, remember, that's the more predictable world. Well, that's all the, all the tried and tested methods can come into play there. So, you know, things like using tools like gap analysis to understand, you know, what's missing? Where, where are we? Where do we want to get to? Um, KPIs to help inform us as to what's working, what's not working. Um, and then, of course, once you get to the stage where you're, you're implementing something, let's say as a, a chain, uh, some kind of change that you're putting in place, then you're, you're going to use project management tools you know, to, to make sure that that works. Um, but in the complex world, it's, it's different skill sets, it's different approaches. So the, the key issue there is that we rely on all those methods that we use in the complicated world when we're in the complex world. And unfortunately, they just don't serve us very well. Um, they, they, they unfortunately create situations where, you know, we, we create more problems for ourselves. And, uh, and we need to be doing something very different. So what does that very different look like? <laughs> yeah, what, what is that very different? Um, you know, we're teasing some ideas. Somebody's going, all right, you've got me here. I'm, I'm listening to the complex versus complicated. Don't leave me hanging. <laughs> yeah. So, the so there's, I'm, I'm going to, I'll talk about four things in, in particular um, and, and just try and give you a bit of an insight into you know, what that looks like and, and, and maybe share with you a few, few examples of that as well. So, so the first thing to mention is, is zoom out. So zoom out from the situation, step back. You know, when you're dealing with complex, you need to be able to survey the situation that you're dealing with. You, you, you kind of need to get sort of almost look up and out as opposed to looking down. Because when we're looking down, we, we, we've got a very narrow view of the situation, but, and we're often only seeing what's right in front of us. So we need to help ourselves look up and, and look out and see this, this problem that, that we're dealing with as part of a much wider system, which is where you know, the, the kind of things you were talking about earlier about systems thinking for example, come, come into play. So here it's really important to start to just visually map all of that out. Um, you know, see what it is that's contributing to the problem. You know, it's going back to this point of look beyond the obvious. So, so my, my tip with this is, is kind of be more eagle-like in terms of, you know, kind of get above the situation, really be able to survey it and, and see the whole thing around it. Um, and an example that I, I think just brings us to life beautifully is, is actually quite a recent one, um, which is around the shortage of lorry drivers that, that came up as, as a real problem for, uh, for us in, in the UK more recently. And, and one of the solutions, the, the, the key solution that was put forward with that was we, we need to give them more visas. You know, we, we need to get more people into the country and, and just make more entry visas uh, available. So yeah, that, that could be part of the solution. In fact, I'm sure it is part of the solution. The key point is it's not the only solution. 
it's, it's not going to fix the problem because this isn't a complicated problem we're dealing with. This is a complex problem. There are many factors impacting why we do not have sufficient lorry drivers in the supply chains in, in the UK. Uh, and and you, if you look at things like um, lorry drivers pay, uh, working conditions, even through to the kind of facilities that are available for them when they are out on the road, you know, on their way to, to deliver goods, uh, contrasted with what, what we see in continental Europe, for example, being, being made available. So there's a whole host of different reasons as to why we've got this shortage of lorry drivers in the UK. And a really good starting point when we're trying to solve a problem like that is, is to get up above it and start to look at all of that. So it's much more about looking at the whole system and what might be contributing to that. So the key question with, with this kind of, you know, it's kind of first tip, this sort of zoom out tip is to ask yourself, what else is going on here? Yeah, broaden out the view, in other words. Lovely. So step one's big picture. Yeah, absolutely. Zoom out and, and see that bigger picture. The second one is don't go alone. Yeah, so, so this is about the listening to diverse perspectives. And importantly, being prepared to be wrong. Because, and, and this is kind of what we were talking about you know, earlier in terms of why top-down leadership isn't really fit for purpose anymore. It's, it's because it relies on a very small group of people in a business having all the insight, all the answers. And when we believe that we've got all the answers, then we tend to view things through a, a much narrower lens. Yeah, we, we, we don't see perhaps uh, some of the information that's there, but, but we're just not privy to it. And that's a problem when leaders are dealing with complexity because it tends to shut down inquiry and inquiry is really at the heart of you know, it's one of the key skills that leaders need when they're dealing with complexity um, so it's so really by not going alone listening to those more diverse perspectives we can see that problem from many different vantage points and, and that's a much more rounded view and understanding and also tends to generate much better solutions as a result of it yeah. Um, one of the one of the images that I think is is just fantastic at demonstrating uh, you know, this kind of tendency that we have in terms of how we see things, you know, how we view things through quite a narrow lens uh, is is a picture of a, of a rhino. Yeah. Rhinoceros. Mm -hmm. And if you think about the, you know, a rhino, it, it's got this you know, big horn right yeah, yeah. in the middle of its line of vision. Yeah. So everything that the rhino sees this horn sits in the middle yeah. of, of all of that. And uh, it, the picture that I'm thinking of is, is a bit of a cartoon and, mm -hmm. and it shows the rhino uh, painting. But of course, every painting that the rhino Got creates has, has this huge big horn in the middle of it. And, and, and that's kind of what we're like. You know, if, if we don't have this ability to listen to the, that diversity of perspective, see things that we're not seeing for ourselves, then, then we'll always be the rhino who, who sees the, the horn in the middle of every picture. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's just it's kind of not being caught out by that, you know, actually being prepared to open our eyes to things that we're not seeing right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. And I think that's a great example because we've, um, we've talked on the podcast a few times about, you know, that diversity aspect, but diversity of thought and input. Yeah. And, you know, if we think last summer um, where England were with the Euros was a absolute prime example of that, yeah. because um, over the last sort of last four or five years, Gareth Southgate's gone out of his way to make sure that the board that supports um, English football has that diversity. So instead of having a whole load of footballers and football experts, he's got a colonel from the army. He's got yes. Dave Brailsford from cycling. He's got Matthew yeah. Syed, um, who previously was in, you know, the world's table tennis and a whole load of thinkers mm -hmm. because it's his words were, well, I don't need other people who know about football. I know about football. I need yeah. other people who know about how we can deal with this. Yeah. And that then produces that performance. So actually huh. getting that external view, which often as leaders, if we've worked in a business for a very long time, 
And all of the people who are now at that level in that business have worked there for a very long time. That's the one thing we don't have. Yeah, we all know absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And that, you know, that, that part of it, Annabelle, is such an important part. You know, just, just that mindset that says, I am willing, I am open, I am curious to listen to, to these different perspectives that people are bringing. And there's a lovely um, example, actually, of this. She, the, the, the CEO of uh, Microsoft, Satya yeah, yeah. Uh, Nadella, mm-hmm. um, he's talked a lot about this importance of the learn-it-all mindset mm. as opposed to the know-it-all yeah. mindset. And if we've got this mindset that is a bit more heavily weighted towards learning, then as leaders, we are going to be much more curious and, yeah. and we are going to be much more um, able mm-hmm. to not just hear those diverse perspectives, but genuinely listen to them yeah. and, and, and you know, be prepared to take on board what, what people are saying. So, so I think the, the key with, with this kind of stage in terms of not going it alone is to think about who am I not listening to? Mm. Yeah, who, and that might be about because I'm just not aware that actually that's somebody I should be listening to. So, so this is often what emerges from that first stage of, you know, kind of mapping things out and kind of doing that zoom out um, part of it where you can start to see, you know, who are the people that, that really I should be going out and, and talking to about this. And then also being very cognizant of those people that you might not want to listen to so much. And that's because you know that they have a different point of view to you or they, they know that, or you know that, sorry, that they're going to challenge you mm. in some respect. And, and yet those are exactly the kind of people that we need to invite in. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so stage one, we've got Zoom out. And we're asking what else is happening here. Stage two, we are in don't go it alone and getting in that diversity of thought and thinking about who am I not listening to? Mm-hmm. What's stage three? Well, stage three really comes about because of what you've done in, in stage two. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that is about surfacing healthy disagreement. Because and if you think about, you invite more diversity of views. Well, inevitably there is going to be disagreement. I mean, that's actually what we want. You know, a divergence of views is good. That's exactly what we're seeking because that's what helps us challenge our own thinking um, and, and actually see things that we might not even have been aware of that, that were there. So if leaders aren't comfortable managing that disagreement and, and the conflict that might emerge from all of that, um, then I think it's probably pretty unlikely that they'll even open up those conversations so so this is a really important skill set that that we need to get better at with leaders is is helping them surface uh, these disagreements but i think there's another side to this as well which is that as leaders we also need to make it safe for people to do this so that there's a link to the whole um, area of psychological safety within all of this because if people are going to honestly share a view they're going to speak up you know, challenge your thinking then we want to create the right environment that enables them to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. You don't want to, you don't want to suddenly speak out and then get shut down in flames because of it. Yeah. So there's, it's got to feel that I can do this and my opinion is valued, even if it's not used. Yeah. There's a bit and, of, we need to leave the ego at the door. Definitely. Yeah. Leave it. Yeah. Ditch the ego with, with, with all of this, actually. <laughs> that, that's key to, to it. Um, and, and I think there is a real challenge in all of this because as a species, you know, as human beings, we are incredibly social animals. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to belong in some shape or form. And, and so we often do conform to the group norms that we're part of. So if, if you think as a leader that you know, that's, that's what you're dealing with, you're, you're dealing with a situation that might mean that people will not contradict other people in the group because it's too risky for them to do so you know, to step outside of that group norm it, it might feel like they're um uh, perhaps going to be excluded from the group as a result of that um and and so the, the leader's role is how do you create that climate where people feel able to challenge and then the flip side of that is and how do you yourself encourage you know that challenge to to come forth and deal with it appropriately and i think it's also bearing in mind that 
culturally sometimes, whether that be the internal organizational culture or whether that be the culture of the country or the environment in which that person's working, challenging our superiors is not well. Yeah. Yeah. That is just not what, what we do. Therefore, actually, that just adds another layer of difficulty and complexity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and this is why, you know, a lot, this, is, this can become so complex. Mm -hmm. um, of, often where we're dealing with things that are people related, mm -hmm. they are naturally complex. And, and that's, that's because of all these different layers that, mm -hmm. that we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, so here, you know, if there's a question that, that I would leave people with to think about, it's, it's asking, how might I be wrong? Yeah, and being prepared to invite disagreement around all of that. So, so a, nice, a nice example of this, Annabelle, again, is quite a current one, uh, something which I know you and I have talked about quite a bit, which is around the whole hybrid working. Mm. You know, people returning to the office following um, following the restrictions being lifted, and and I, I again, this is a great example of a complex issue. So so there isn't a blueprint. You know, there isn't kind of one way that is going to fit every single team. Leaders need to be prepared to to navigate this and treat it as a complex issue. So there will be a diversity of views around this. What what works for one person in your team is unlikely to work just as well for the next person mm -hmm. in your team. And, and those organizations that have gone down the route of setting a policy company-wide, I think are going to find some additional challenges yeah. with this as people start to, to move into uh, working in that kind of way. But again, that's the easy predictable piece because I feel more comfortable doing that. And, and actually that says a lot more about the leadership team's need for certainty. Yes. Of, I need to know when people are here, but that's yes. a whole different podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's one for another time. Yeah. It'll be, be, it'll be another hour on that if we, we go there. Okay. <laughs> so, what's our final stage? We've thought about yeah. what else is happening here. Who might I not be listening to? How might I be wrong? Mm. What's my stage four? Um, so, stage four is let go. <laughs> Easier said than done, I always think. Um, and so the reason this is important is because remember that complex problems cannot be controlled. Mm -hmm. That's the key difference yeah, between complex and complicated. And yet, let's be honest about it, I think most leaders I work with would say that they have a really strong impulse to control situations. And, and that makes sense. You know, if you, if you think about what, what leaders are tasked with doing, they're, they're tasked with achieving certain objectives and, and getting people on board and behind them and working in, in, in the right way. And they're held responsible for those outcomes. So you can understand where this really strong impulse to control comes from. It's just that when we're dealing with the complex, the way forward isn't something that you can really control. You know, it's much more emergent. So it's really unhelpful to commit to big solutions and kind of think, ah, we've got the answer. Here it is. Let's plow forward and, and go with this. We actually need to be a lot more experimental when we're dealing with the complex. So course correcting, you know, as we go through things, and that is hugely counterintuitive for a, a lot of leaders. Um, and I, I think it's worthwhile saying that, you know, we're, we're not talking, when we talk about being experimental in our approach, we're not talking about taking large scale, high risk uh, kind of you know, experiments and, and an approach. It's much more small scale, low risk experiments that are all really just, they're safe to fail. Yeah. So there's no, no huge consequence if something doesn't go quite right. We can use the learning that we get from that, use the feedback and do something different. And, and, and that might mean that we shut down certain things or that we allow things to other things to grow. But, but essentially what we're doing with the experimental type approach is we're just nudging things mm. in the right direction. So, so with a complex problem, you're, you're only ever able to manage it, not control it. And I think with that, when you said, you know, about that, that course correcting, it's this 
it's where often we end up with challenges. And, and I know as a, as a facilitator and as a trainer, I'm going to have some people go, but you taught us smart objectives, Annabelle. <laughs> I did, but they're absolutely pointless with a complex problem because, well, they aren't. They're fine, but they can only be really short term. And yes. it's this piece about being iterative. Yeah. So actually not putting, you mentioned Cotter, eight stages of mm. change doesn't work it only works with a complicated problem Cotter. that's right you've got to see yeah. it through from beginning to end and that's pointless yeah. if, the, if the you know we're in like a swirling sea um actually in some cases it's a case of going right let's try step one regroup what's working how's the landscape shifted okay no we've got to go off that way let's now do that yeah. so you start becoming much more iterative and reviewing a lot more frequently yes and essentially creating it as you go yeah. And this, this is one, you know, for those of your listeners who are familiar with the agile yeah, uh, project management methodology, then then this actually it's not a new concept. No, no. It's it's about, you know, but it is a, it is that iterative process, you know, that, that we're, we're not we're not beholden or banking everything in one particular area. We're going to try something. It is an experiment. So we're going to learn and we're going to use that learning to help us move forward. And it, and that that's a different mindset you know in, in terms of of how we approach these kind of complex problems absolutely and that piece around agile you know it's we i discussed it in an earlier podcast we have this piece where people go oh, we're, we're doing agile working and i always have to go are you or are you just meaning flexible <laughs> <laughs> because we use it's a bit like complicated and complex we use yes. a word as a very loose term but we don't actually mean the methodology yes when actually if we understood the methodology it would be useful to us it's it's, it's a label that it is put it, out it's there, a lazy label it? as well mm-hmm. because it gets the world very confused so it's i always soft. have to ask for a definition otherwise i sit there going are we talking about the same thing yeah. are we talking about two, are, are we having two very different conversations and we're not even going to go parallel we're going to sort of go off like a big funnel and end up miles apart because we've got two very different assumptions about even what a term means yeah yeah so we want to get on the same page with, with all of that and, so, and you know when when I'm talking about um these kind of experiments I mean just to get to give you an example um you know let's say you I mean, we, we actually did some work with, with a client uh a few years ago which and and one of their key objectives was to increase the, the level of collaboration in their business mm-hmm. And they, they tried lots of things, you know, kind of the, the standard things like um, team away days, um, you know, kind of bringing people together for various different reasons. And, and, and it hadn't really, really worked. And so th- this was a complex problem. You know, actually, when we looked at it, there was a lot of different factors combining as to, to really determine why were people not collaborating in, in the way that they wanted them to. And one of the things that we looked at was just running some really small scale, low risk experiments. So some really simple things uh, like, for, for instance, asking people to work on projects that, that were group wide um, creating some uh, shared support or interest groups for people to, to join you know, from different parts of the business, um, even through to things like reconfiguring office layouts or replacing the the tables that were in the staff uh, cafeteria with with a different layout. So rather than it being small round tables that that people would congregate around, usually with people that they knew, they put in these kind of long long bench-like tables. So inevitably then you've got people sitting next to each other uh, and, and not always through choice, but as a result of that, conversations happen. People make connections, and ultimately we see a shift. So, so these are all about nudges. Remember what I mm. talked about earlier in terms of just nudging the system. That's what we mean just with these little experiments that we're trying out. Excellent. So is there a message that goes with stage four of let go? Any questions that we've got to think of when we leave? I think, I think probably the question is just how can we experiment? Mm. Okay. Yeah, that, that's the key question. You just get people away from... Um, you know, this, this idea that it's something that they need to have real control over and, and just let them play. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's a nice way to phrase it. How, can we, How can we play? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love, I, lo- I love playing as an experiment. So that 
as we've talked through this topic today, we've sort of got, in some ways, it's five steps, I think. You've got the four that you've taken through, but there's a precursor one of, is what I'm dealing with complicated or complex? Yes. So it is the, what am I dealing with here? Is it complicated? Traditional rules apply. Mm -hmm. Linear. Or is it complex? In which case I then need to do that different methodology. So it's about zoom out. What else is happening here? Then don't go it alone. Who am I not listening to? Three, surface that healthy disagreement and get that diversity of thought in there and think about how might I be wrong? How might my bias be impacting this? And then finally, let go. So be experimental and play and think about how we can do that. Yeah. Fabulous. Some really, really concrete things for people to take away. Anything else that you'd add as a, as a piece of tip or advice before we've, we, we, we send the listeners off into the world of go tackle your complex problems? I, I think, I mean, you, you've, you've definitely pulled out the, the key points uh, that, that are really important to be, to be thinking about. You know, I think there is that whole thing around becoming hyper aware of when you are in complex versus complicated and then asking yourself those key questions when you are in that complex world. So that, that's definitely important. I think the other element for us to be aware of um, as leaders is recognize what we need to work on within ourselves. Mm. So if any of those points feel uncomfortable, unnatural, awkward even, that tells you something about perhaps there's, there's a different belief that, mm. that you need to take on board. Perhaps there's a different um, skill that, that you need to develop in that way. And to really tune into that mm. and start to work on it. Yeah. And, and that could be I mean, an example that comes up quite a lot with leaders that I work with when, when we take them through you know, this, this whole notion of what it means to lead through complexity is often the uh, inviting disagreement. You know, that that's one of the, the areas that people often don't feel so comfortable with. You know, it doesn't feel uh, that natural for them to do it. So if that's the case, work on those skills, you know, get better at handling conflict and inviting disagreement. It's, it's a whole skill set. You know, as, as you and I both know, there, there are some key things that you can do that make that easier and more effective. So, so that would be something to, to work on. Um, the other example that often comes up is a lot around this kind of experimental stage that, that we talked about earlier. So if as a leader, you're not very comfortable taking risks, you're going to find it difficult to experiment because experimentation naturally involves risk. So again, that, that fundamentally is, is, I think, more about mindset. It's more about beliefs and you know, what you can change within yourself. So that would be another example of something to, to just pay attention to is you know, how, are, how comfortable are you with taking risk? Because if, if you're not quite there yet, it's going to be difficult for people around you to do that. Yeah. And I think you know, in, in that, you, you bring up two, a couple of really good points about it's recognizing that firstly, this is, how the how we're approaching things so what beliefs are we holding about it what patterns are we running and are those patterns serving us but also that most things there is a skill set you know it's not that it should be natural for us you know we don't always I think I think sometimes you know we we think when we're in the leadership role it should be really easy for me to listen to different people but actually if we've not been brought up in an environment or working in an environment where that space happens it could be super uncomfortable for us so it's recognizing that all of this can be learned. Yes. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. Far from it. <laughs> you know, but if I practice it more, yeah. it will become more comfortable. Yeah. Because I'll get used to, even if it's never 100% comfortable for me, it may never be natural, but it will be easier. Yeah. And I think, so I think it would be fair to say that complexity is probably never a really comfortable place for any of us to be you know that that's just it's just the very nature of of the beast you know that, that we're dealing with it's, it's not a comfortable place to be uh, and and at the same time I think there are things that we can do to make it an easier place to navigate through yeah. and and to manage within ourselves and and not have that feeling that 
we're overwhelmed um, or that we're you know in denial or that we're the person who has to have all the answers mm-hmm. uh, you know I think I think we can certainly get to a place where it, it doesn't feel like that and I think you know the it's having that belief that the decision that we make at the time we make it is only can, is only as good as the information that we have available to us at that point. Sure. And that means when stuff changes, it doesn't mean our decision was wrong. We just didn't know enough at that point. Yeah. And actually, if we can hold that and go, do you know what? I can't change my mind. I can do something differently. I don't have to live and die by this. Mm-hmm. When the data changes, then that's okay. fascinating conversation today Nicola thank you it has given us I think some really good clarity about what we mean by complexity and complicated but also some really really good concrete steps that people can go away and hopefully been scribbling down but if not I'll put them in the show notes to just have a think about what can I do differently so thank you for joining me today you're very welcome thanks for the invitation thanks for listening to the being leader 